So it's that time of the month again. And I know all of you know exactly what time of the month I'm talking about. That's right, it's time to restock on your exercise supplements. And so you're going to GNC, right? Walked into the door, dude behind the counter says, hey, what's up? And there's never anyone in there for some reason. So you're walking down the aisles and grabbing your protein powder and your uh, pre-workout. And you're walking past this section and it says Nootrophix. And you look at this shelf and there's tons of different options. So many different bottles that all say Nootrophix. And all of them have some variation of get smart quickly or improve your intelligence with just three weeks of trying this pill. And so you're thinking to yourself, you know, that sounds a little bit like snake oil right there, right? Nothing is ever that easy. And so you ask yourself, is this too good to be true? And what actually is a nootrophic? Well, let's talk about the science behind that. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello, all you scientists, and welcome on back to the Science Behind That podcast. I'm your host, Atticus Hamilton, and yes, I know I was gone for a while. Basically, you know, it was Memorial Day after I had, I was forced to wait because I ran out of time on my podcast hosting service. It was Memorial Day, my family came out, and then after that, I got very sick, and that lasted for like two weeks. I'm not even joking. Uh, You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm finally getting over it. Um, It was just, you know, it was a rough upper respiratory tract infection. Um, Gave me antibiotics, so that helped. uh, And I'm just now getting over it. So forgive me if my voice sounds, you know, a little nasally, a little funky, but that's that's why. So... uh, I'm, I'm going to definitely try and hope that um, I'm able to get back into my uh, regular schedule here now. Um, you know, hopefully I don't have any recurrence of, of, of this illness. Uh, I don't think I will, but hopefully not. So anyway, as you heard from the intro, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about nootrophic drugs today. Um, you know, this is something that I've wanted to do for a while, uh, and I recently watched Limitless again, and, uh, you know, that's such a good movie. I I don't know if I'm, like, a fanboy for Bradley Cooper, I don't think so, but, like, he's a good actor, and, and that was a very good, uh, good role for him, I think. Anyway, um, but, you know, that just got me thinking, I'm like, man, I need to do, you know, this episode, But before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to invite all of you to go grab yourselves a nice steaming hot cup of coffee, add a little bit of maple syrup to it, and you know what? Just enjoy that. As I found out over these past two weeks, when you have a sore throat that feels like you got your tonsils cut out, coffee is really a beautiful invention. So anyway... Let's jump into today's episode, and, uh, you know, this is going to be a fun one, I think. So first off, what even is a nootrophic, right? Well, a nootrophic is a very broad and, and basic category that includes a variety of different drugs 
that um, may upregulate or enhance cognitive ability. And um, I say may because in reality, there's not that many FDA-approved drugs out there that are specifically designed for nootrophic purposes. There's a couple drugs out there that were designed for... Um, for the treatment of different conditions. Uh, one of them is called uh, modafinil um, or modafinil, however you pronounce that, um, M-O-D-A-F-I-N-I-L. And that is a non-amphetamine central nervous system stimulant. And um, it, it was created primarily to, to treat adults with work sleep disorders. So like narcolepsy, uh, obstructive sleep apnea, that sort of stuff. Um, but in addition to that, there is research coming out that shows that in people who don't have those conditions, so otherwise healthy people, um, it, it may actually possess some genuine nootropic effects. And the mechanisms by it are still not very understood. Right, so the mechanism of action for um, the treatment of those conditions is is rather straightforward. It it acts on um, various transporters in the brain, and um, it basically it downregulates certain hormones that or certain neurotransmitters that induce sleep, and upregulates those that you know, like dopamine that. Uh, uh, produce a feeling of wakefulness, I guess. Um, and there's also a fork, euphoric effects, mainly because it has a glutamogenic effect that's caused by it um, due to upregulating dopamine levels, blah, blah, blah. Um, it just acts on certain pathways to modulate the neurotransmitters that are present in the brain. But the mechanism of action for its alleged nootropic properties haven't been fully explored yet because medavinil for those purposes is still um, under investigation. Nonetheless, you know, you still have, you can still buy it, of course, on the black market. People will usually get a prescription of it for like a narcolepsy or a sleep-wake disorder or something like that, and then sell it as a nootropic. And it is effective in preliminary studies as, you know, when taken as a nootropic in otherwise um, healthy people. But uh, again, you know, that is an exception, and it is not approved for use as a nootropic. And so... Um, the considering that then what is a nootropic well there's a lot of supplement companies these days that have come out and said oh they have a, a, a killer ingredient for things that are nootropics and so like i usually do to see what popular culture things is are on nootropics i went to healthline so the 14 best nootropics and smart drugs reviewed um Apparently, the person who wrote this is a registered dietitian, which is unfortunate because the first one she put here is caffeine, and that is not a nootropic. It's a psychoactive substance, but it's not a nootropic. And so this is something I want to define. 
because this is going to come up, you know, not just in this episode, but throughout your life, uh, peop- you know, if, if you're actively looking for nootropics, people are going to tell you a couple of things. Number one, they'll say that caffeine is a nootropic. And number two is they'll say that um, uh, Adderall is a nootropic. Both of those are, that. both of that is not true. Adderall is not a nootropic and caffeine is not a nootropic. And why is that? Because they're not changing the way you're learning. So a nootropic can work by three potential ways so far, you know, according to the research we've done so far. Number one is it can increase blood flow to the brain, which thereby allows neurons um, to function more efficiently, more quickly, right? That's one possible way. Number two is they could stimulate specific cells within the brain. For example, glial cells, neuroglial cells. Some of you may be like, what is a glial cell? Glial cell is basically like a macrophage in your brain. It's a cell that goes around and eats up um, all the you know, dead cellular material and the debris and the waste products from your neurons. And there's a lot of data to actually suggest that part of genius is actually having higher levels of neuroglial cells than the average population. Because again, they clean up after neurons. So it's kind of like, you could think of it as driving, right? So think of a, a city. So you have a city and you have a bunch of cars driving on the road, right? Think of the road as the axons, right, in the brain and the cars as the neurotransmitters. And so they're driving from one place to another. Now, the cleaner that road is, the faster those cars are going to be able to drive because they have less things to avoid. Maybe there aren't potholes. You know, I drove through um, Newark, New Jersey uh, not too long ago. And, you know, the roads there are absolutely horrible. And I'll never drive there ever again, right? (laughs) There's potholes everywhere. They're just horribly maintained. And so it's kind of like that, right? And so if you're increasing blood flow to the brain, or if you're upregulating the activity of neuroglial cells, which clean up after the neurons, it's basically like, um, you know, increasing the funding for road maintenance in a big city, your efficiency of traffic is going to increase much in the same way that you would see with cognitive abilities if you increase neuroglial cell activity. So that's number two. And then, of course, number three is they can activate certain neurotransmitters. So like we saw with medavinil, right, they down, it downregulates certain neurotransmitters and upregulates other neurotransmitters like dopamine. Dopamine has a lot of different roles, and um, I think that's something that not a lot of people realize, but dopamine is really important. Um, Parkinson's disease, for example, one of the big reasons why um, people with Parkinson's are shaking all the time is because dopamine is involved in controlling fluid muscular movement. So with Parkinson's patients, a lot of the times we see underactive dopamine production. So um, when they're trying to move, their brain isn't producing enough dopamine, and so their movements are really jittery. And that can also translate to 
Dopamine production is irregular as well in patients with Parkinson's, causing that jitteriness that we typically see. And so, ultimately, as of right now, those are the three ways that a nootropic drug could work. Again, either um, increases blood flow to the brain, right? So the neurons get more nutrients, um, increases neuroglial cell activity, or directly acts on some sort of uh, neurotransmitter and or receptor to fulfill some sort of specific purpose with the neurons themselves. Um, and caffeine and Adderall don't do that, right? Caffeine, all caffeine does is it blocks adenosine. So it will bind to an adenosine receptor and block it so um, adenosine does not bind and um, you feel tired. So that's not a nootropic activity, right? Because the brain's blood flow isn't increasing. In fact, caffeine is a vasoconstrictor, which is funny. Um, And you don't have changes in neurotransmitter levels. You just have a reduction of sleepiness, right? So caffeine is just a stimulant, not a nootrophic. Similar thing with Adderall. Adderall is just a stimulant in a way. It's not a nootrophic. It's not increasing your learning abilities because it's not changing what neurotransmitters are released. It's not increasing neuroglial cell activity, and it is not increasing blood flow to the brain, and it's not a nootrophic. Now, when you take Adderall, you may feel like, man, I can really focus now, but that's not a nootrophic, right? Nootropic drug actually has literature behind it to show that memory and um, uh, memory is increased, um, information retention is increased, and or the process of learning is shortened. That's typically what we think of with a nootrophic, and neither Adderall has that, nor caffeine does that. So, yeah, caffeine is not a nootropic. L-theanine is an amino acid, right? And so, according to Healthline, L-theanine is the second best nootropic drug. Again, it's not a drug. It's an amino acid. And um, there are studies that show that um, theanine uh, can increase uh, blood flow to the brain. Um, but the primary uh, reported effects of theanine is that it, it has a calming effect, which again is not a nootropic. And, and of course they go on to say creatine, I don't even know how, I guess, because creatine is involved in protein synthesis, so they figure, well, you know, your brain can make proteins. Um, anyway, so overall, ladies and gentlemen, the thing that I'm trying to say here is there are a lot of supplements online that say they have nootropic effects. You need to be really careful with this because they're not cheap. I'm, go- I'm looking at one on here right now, right? And a 30-count pill bottle is like... let's see, oh, I'm sorry, Uh, $70 for a one-month supply. Um, For a four-month supply, it's $207, right? So it's not cheap, and you need to be very careful with with what you're actually buying. 
so are there any supplements on you know online other than actual drugs that have nootropic properties because ultimately the thing is there are no nootropic drugs that are approved by the FDA and what that and the, the reason for that is it's a very new area of um, psychopharmacology nootropic drugs are the drugs themselves aren't new because again we're, we're rediscovering drugs like medavinil that may have these properties but the actual research demand behind it is relatively new and so because of it there are no actual drugs that were created to be a nootropic that you can get a prescription for from your physician Th that doesn't exist and so if you are looking for something with nootropic, nootropic properties you have to turn to these supplement companies and so the question then becomes is there anything in these supplements then that actually have literature behind them well to find that out i looked up the top three nootropic supplements and number one is called the new cube number two is called mind lab pro and number three is called qualia mind can i just say who comes up with these names new cube i mean anyway so going to new cube um and you look at their ingredients. So what are their ingredients? Ludamax, Bacopia monaria, a 12 to 1 ratio, and hyper, Hyperzia serrata. Now some of, or also called Hyperzine A. Um, now some of you may be like, hey, Hyperzine A, I recognize that. Yes, that's because it is a very common ingredient in um, pre-workouts. Um and so the dosages, of course, in pre-workouts are lower because it's there to give you a, a quick stimulation so you can focus longer. Um, but it's, again, at least for NuCube, all of these ingredients are herbal ingredients. And why is that important? I think that's important because there's an issue with this. And, and, and the issue is... While yes, there are a lot of plants out there that do contain legitimate drugs, and there's fungi out there that do the same thing, right? So, for example, lion's mane uh, mushroom. There are compounds in lion's mane mushroom that are being investigated as potential nootropic drugs. Another example, um, Piptospores bertulinum, or the birch polypore mushroom, contains like five different drugs that are being investigated as anti-cancer and anti-HIV. But the problem is, there, there's two problems. When you just take, for example, the birch polypore mushroom, grind it up into a powder and put it in a tincture and say, all right, you can get cured of cancer now. You don't know how, what the, the, the concentration of that drug is per gram of birch polypore, right? Because it may vary. And so this is the thing. So we have a lot of drugs in this DNA that came from plants um, or fungi, but they, the, the, the 
they've been purified, right? So it's not just an extract from the plant. They've been purified. The concentrations are very specific. We replicate them in the lab a lot of times using genetically modified yeast cells to produce it that way. And so when you just grind up a plant and put it in a pill or a tincture and say, this is everything you need, you don't actually know the concentration of the active ingredient in there. And so you could say, sure, this is 20 milligrams of hyperzine serrata being 0.5% hyperzine A, but that's just the plant, right? So you have 20 milligrams of plant powder, but what is the actual quantity of any you know nootropic ingredient itself, any nootropic drug that is in the plant. In plants, generally, these are called phytoactive compounds. And so, some of you may be like, "Why would a plant even produce a comp- or produce a drug for humans?" Well, a lot of times, plants produce these phytoactive comp- compounds to fulfill a purpose. Usually, that purpose is like um, warding off insects or warding off predators. And this is one of the reasons why sialic acid, which is a very well-known antibiotic, um, particularly topical, comes from a variety of different mushrooms and fungi because fungi like to be sterile. And so they produce these phytocompounds which kill bacteria in their surrounding environment, producing an environment of sterility. And A long time ago, we learned this and we were able to extract the sialic acid from various species of mushrooms, particularly ergot fungus, and we were able to increase that concentration and sell it as topical antibiotics. And so this is why I'm always skeptical about these herbal supplements, particularly these herbal nootropics, is because, yes, there are plants out there and there are fungi out there that are being investigated for pertaining potential nootropic drugs. However, by just grinding up the the plant or the mushroom and putting it in a capsule, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get an active dose of whatever that drug is. Um, and it's not just NuCube that does this. Mind Lab Pro it has the same ingredients. Um, Bacopia monnieria that does have a lot of literature behind it that suggests that it could be helpful um, in the treatment of, for example, Alzheimer's disease. There's a um, paper right here titled Cognitive Enhancement and Neuroprotective Effects of Bacopia Monaria in Alzheimer's Disease Model published in the Journal of Ethnopharmacology. They tested um, the effectiveness of an alcoholic extract of Bacopia monnieria on cognitive function and neurodegeneration in an animal model of Alzheimer's, and they found it was very effective um, in reducing the number of neurons in cholinergenic neurons from dying, right? So ultimately, they found that it reduced the effects of Alzheimer's in their animal model. Another paper uh, I have pulled up somewhere. Oh, there. Well, I had it pulled up. (laughs) Um, But another paper I had pulled up tested 
that a, a similar alcoholic extract of Bacopia monieria on 40 different adult men um, and put them through a variety of different um, uh, cognitive tests and found that there was an overall reten uh, quicker retention of information and a faster recall of that information. But once again, that doesn't necessarily mean that if you grind it up and put it in a pill and charge $240 that you're going to see massive improvements overnight. These plants and substances do contain drugs, it looks as it appears by the literature, but I'm always skeptical until the drugs are identified, extracted, and purified in an actual concentration to where we can say, yes, you know, 50 milligrams uh, is an effective dose, whereas, you know, 10 milligrams isn't an effective dose. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, it felt so good to get back to making these. I'm really glad I'm not deathly ill again. Um, so, yeah, it felt really good to get back to making these. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope you learned something. Um, you know, I, I'm not uh, necessarily bashing on homeopathy, Um Look, I'll be honest, you know, when I'm sick, I drink raishi tea and I drink um, birch polypore tea. Why? Because there is a lot of data to show that there are high concentrations of those drugs in there. And, you know, in my mind with that sort of stuff, it's like, eh, can't hurt anything. But when you're dealing with companies that are selling these pills as, you know, being limitless pills, basically for three, four hundred dollars a pill, uh, that's when I'm kind of like, eh, maybe we should just wait until the actual uh, research gets out there and maybe purify some of these extracts into actual drugs um, for the purpose of cognitive enhancement. So, you know, I got a, uh, a great email today from... Um, one of you listen, listeners out there, Alex, uh, if you're listening to this, hi, I got your email. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I love reading these emails from you guys. Um, and, you know, if you ever have suggestions or comments for the show, always shoot me an email like Alex did at thesciencebt at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, I'd love to read your emails and, and, uh, what you guys have to say. Um, Alex just wanted to email me and see how my show is going. And, um, if there's anything that he could do to be helpful or supportive and, uh, Alex, you know, thank you for reaching out, man. Um, you know, if just, if you like it, just keep listening. And, uh, if you have any ideas for me or anything that you want me to cover, go ahead, man, shoot me an email. Um, and, uh, I, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to read it and maybe do an episode over your suggestions. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for, uh, for listening to my episode today. Thank you for bearing with me through um the past couple weeks as i've been dealing with this stupid illness 
Um, and I will see you on Friday. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, stand up and question everything.